Welcome along to G'day GEA. I'm delighted to be joined by Uktron Kamuklakaskwil, President of the GEA, Egon O'Farrell, live here in the Tom Bateman Reserve here in Perth. You're very welcome, Egon. Thank you very much, Guramayagat, and good day. <laughs> Thanks, Egon. I'm also joined by my co-host, the familiar voice, John Heenan. Welcome along, John. Thanks, Liam. Cheers. Good to be here. So, obviously, Egon, you, you arrived in on, on Wednesday, is that correct? How was the flight? It was very good, no problem whatsoever. I arrived on Wednesday, I go back on Monday, so it's a, a quick flight and uh, good good opportunity to see what's happening here in Australia. It's my second time to be at these games, so the uh, flight was no problem whatsoever. I was looking forward to seeing wonderful games, and that's exactly what we're having. There was a, there was a bit of a draw last year that kind of scuppered your plans to go to Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to Wellington the first year I was president and saw the Australasian Games there, so that was uh, yeah. that was exciting. We had a draw in the All Ireland final last exactly, and the, we had to, I had to stay at home in Park <laughs> and Croakig for that. But I know I'd be well familiar with what's happening down here. But this is a great opportunity to visit and meet and greet people and see what's happening. And and, and Egon, obviously it's your first time in Australia for the state games. You were in Wellington, but how are you finding the games in terms of the standard? Obviously, we've ladies football, men's football, and hurling this year. What, what standard is good. I'd have to single out hurling in particular. I think the hurling standard is particularly high. That's what I want to hear. And uh, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not in saying that. I'm not saying that the football isn't. But you know, probably you come to expect that football will be of a fairly decent standard, and it is in both men and women. But particularly the hurling is of. Uh, you know they're very very accomplished hurlers and the, the speed of the game the pace of the game the quality of the scores and the tough physical encounters which you also want and expect in a hurling game they're all present and uh, particularly satisfied with that yeah I suppose just to let the listeners know Victoria we just lost to New South Wales there in the semi-final by a couple of points so we're a bit disappointed here, but talking to Aegon here has given us a bit of a lift. <laughs> so you're, what you're saying, Aegon, is that Victoria, we're unlucky not to win. <laughs> no, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll have to agree with you. But it was a very competitive game and absolutely nothing in it at all. You know, there Just a few little quality scores that did make the difference at the end. It was kind of a nervy game, wasn't it? Both, both teams seemed to kind of really want to win the game and that kind of led to a lot of mistakes and it was a team that probably yeah. made the less mistakes won the game yeah I think a couple, I thought the refereeing was excellent yeah. and uh, I, I know sometimes you can be upset if it's your players are caught but there was a little bit of you know maybe not reckless tackling but a few little tackles yeah. that uh, did make a difference and I thought they, they were punished it, it's interesting actually because uh, I, I talked to a lot of uh, teammates that were here like 8 or 10 years ago and, we, and they talked to me about the standard of refereeing in, Aus, in Australia back then compared yeah. to now yeah. where we've got a really strong system in place for the referees they're coached yeah. they're graded Gerard Rowe does great work and the standard of refereeing actually we came out in the wrong results so you'll always pick flaws yeah. but to be honest the referee did a great job I, I thought I the referee was friends. super yeah. he, he, let, he let the lads hurl which was yeah. the most important thing first of all but he then knew at the, what line they could not cross no, so I, yeah. he was very very strong on you know overly robust tackling and I thought yeah. that was good yeah what, what makes a big difference and we covered him in the last episode of our interview with Tom Murphy was getting the ref out from Ireland for the games makes yeah. such a difference what like was his name again Patrick Murphy isn't Patrick it Murphy, from yeah. Patrick Carlo man yeah, but, and he's an inter-county ref from home. Yeah, but the referee in generally has been good. I mean, yeah. you mentioned there the coaching. That's very important. I mean, and we, we, we put a lot of emphasis on that uh, in Ireland and around the world, that referees and players and administrators, all three need to attend 
regularly to yeah. their courses to up their game to be better administrators to be better referees and as well as players and I think we can see the benefits of that anywhere I travel worldwide I think that there is definitely a marked improvement in coaching standards and refereeing standards and it's evident in the games well, what's interesting with Patrick and I found actually as he refereed the game, some referees do and some referees don't, but when a referee generally talks to the players yeah. through their mistakes, yeah. it just allows them to accept the decision oh, a lot absolutely. easier. And even for those of us watching from the stand, it was clear what the, what the foul was for. <laughs> he, you know, he's, he's a, Patrick's a good demonstrator of, of, of body language also, so it was very clear what he was pulling the, calling the freeze for. Uh, it's interesting, I guess, in, in your time as President Dagon, kind of a more of a general question about GA overseas, how, how have you seen that evolve in the last three years? Oh, it's growing strongly. I mean, the GA generally, all over in Ireland and worldwide, is in a very strong place, but especially outside of Ireland at the moment. A number of things I see happening. The, the biggest one I notice is there are more non-Irish coming into the GAA. Uh, now, it varies in parts of the world more than others. Uh, you have to be fair, it's a big world. <laughs> and uh, it, it does vary. But there are more and more people that are playing different games and some from non-Irish backgrounds coming in and getting involved also. It's quite transient. I have met players here uh, in Perth that I met in Abu Dhabi. Oh, really? and I, yeah. met, I met some hurlers here that I met in San Francisco. <laughs> a couple of lads there playing today so I see a lot of movement and there's a lot of you know, I mean Perth is in a strong place a lot of the lads that set up the GA in Perth and I love talking to those older timers I suppose, it's 1970 when they started, they'd only a couple of clubs they couldn't get a hurling club team they 14 players for a hurling team and they, they, they just you know, they'd play a little bit of poking around now, back in the bust in Ireland a few years back, uh, there were seven hurling clubs here in Perth. Now, that has dwindled a little, bound to five, but that's still substantial. So, I mean, there's great competition. I see growth and I see it moving on all the time. But I also see the type of person that's moving around. They're very skilled people. The first, uh, the first Irish emigrants you'd meet in America or in Australia that left maybe 60, 70 years ago, they, they, they generally worked in the non-skilled labouring tasks. I'm meeting site managers quantity surveyors and teachers town planner and accountant and, and <laughs> chemists and uh, not only master's degree students but PhD students they, these are very articulate very able players off the field as well as on the field and I think it's benefiting the GA and it's certainly benefiting Ireland and our, our image as a, as a forward progressive nation abroad so I, I see great strengths great administrative skills I mean, we're in a fantastic centre. This is a GA-owned property. A lot of clubs in Ireland would love to have this. I think we have four yeah. dressing rooms. We, we're, we're speaking here in this hall, which is equivalent to what we used to call the community centre at home. A yeah. big, good, large open space with, with kitchen facilities. And you can see clearly from what's on the walls, this is a GA property. And, and, and that type of... I see it everywhere. I see all around the world more and more infrastructure being put in. and It's just a good growth pro progression. And the last thing I notice which is hugely important is the strongest clubs I see outside of Ireland provide for all our sports men and women there is as many girls involved in a lot of the clubs here Fact. as boys yeah. and they work as one club in a way that we don't at home yet yes, yes. And, and they do it in a much better way we have a lot to learn from the international GA and particularly in the way that they're all able you're all here in your lovely gear the girls wear the same as the boys you all have the same crests you're all part of the one club you're supporting the girls when they're playing and any club that I notice in Australia or in America or anywhere that has hurling 
and football, ladies' football and camogie are always a much more, they have more members, they have more activity and they have more vibrancy to them and I think that's a strength that needs to be brought back home to Ireland. And, and just in terms of that, obviously we're from the Gary Owen Club in Melbourne and we do have the three teams, the men's hurling, yeah. men's football and ladies' football and like you said, that's having us all together is such a massive thing for us. But do you, do you think it could everyone could come under the one umbrella. Is that, what oh, needs, is, is that what needs to happen in Ireland? Oh, it needs to happen. It's absolutely uh, very... Look, as I said, I mean, I, I take my own personal story into account. Myself and my wife, Frances, have four children. We have two girls, two boys. They're hurlers, they're footballers, they're camogie players. We don't differentiate when we when they put on the jersey, they're playing for the club. There's no difference in the daughter and the son. And that's replicated everywhere. But as I say, if you have a separate football club in Ireland and a separate hurling club and a separate... Camogie Club, you, like everything, it stands to sense. You're, there's a, you're losing, you're dividing. You're much stronger as one unit. Now, a lot of our clubs in Ireland are following that model, but certainly here in Australia, all of the clubs, just after watching there and speaking with the Morley Gales, their best yeah. here in Perth, you know, beautiful jerseys, beautiful crests, but the, and all the girls and all the boys all working, one administration, one fundraising, one structure, and it is the proper way to go we're working and we're talking with Camogie and with Ladies Football in Ireland we're on that road uh, and I think it's the development that will happen for the, the, the Gaelic Games family and the GA in the future yeah I think I think it'll be massive and I think clubs yeah. will come together and like you said it's the fundraising is a massive thing a you, know, whatever, thing. you know what, because it is quite separate and, and bringing it all together it's just and it's great for the whole community we have such yeah. a togetherness but like like you said we're, the Victorian girls have just had a fantastic win over Queensland we're, yeah. we're just delighted for them there now, you know. Absolutely, and we can never forget. I mean, the social aspect. This is a this is a recreational sport. Now, we, we, I know we play and support it as if our lives depended on it. But at the end of the day, it is recreation, and the the, the fun and the crack and the banter between the game. You do need girls and boys together to get that. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. there's much more camaraderie and fun when everyone is 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 in the same. So that's one of the big strengths that I see evolving along with, as I say, the quality of the games has gone way up. And it's great to hear people who have been here for 30, 40 years admitting that and saying look at the games now compared to what they were years ago they're, you know, they might have been tougher they let knowledge years ago but they're yes. much more skillful now It's brilliant to hear you say that because actually this is our ninth episode of the podcast and we've been a big promoter in the past of that one club under the one umbrella Good. environment because we've seen with Carry On we've seen oh, him with St. Yeah. Patson City, we've seen him with Michael Cusacks, oh, seen him with Sinn Féin Absolutely. it's brilliant but, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's happening worldwide, you see it I mean, in the Middle East they're all the operate and increasingly in America and everywhere you see it in all parts of, now in Britain maybe not so much uh, and, and in Ireland but th- there are things in the GAA that need to, we, we need to learn from each other, people used to often think in the past that the GAA overseas needed to learn from home, it possibly does in some areas but certainly home can also learn from overseas experience it's funny you say that I, I was on a stopover in Dubai for two days and I stayed with a friend and I ended up going to a GA dinner dance of course you and my next door neighbour <laughs> Katie Pendergast came up to me and said what are you doing here John how the hell are you here it's yeah, a classic but, but I mentioned that the transient nature I think that's the, the great fun at the moment that you, you, you know that you'll meet lads in Canada and then suddenly you'll hear that he's in Dubai <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden he has a girlfriend that he, from San Francisco there, there's that movement around the world and that's transfer of skills and it's transfer of energy and I think it's it's all positive. And just back to the state games, like you say though, it's, it's people that we haven't seen all year, we'll see at the state games. Yeah. So I have friends here in Perth, yeah. friends here in Sydney and it's amazing then 
everyone comes together and people you haven't yeah. seen in years it's fantastic absolutely it might only be once a year but I mean it's worth it the, the fun and the, the, the fun and the excitement and everybody already talking about the ball tomorrow night yeah. you know there'll be four or five hundred people I think gathered yeah. in for that and that, that's always a very special part but as well as the games and obviously um, you're not the only president who's going to be at the games uh, tomorrow Aegon we're very lucky that we're going to have President Michael D. Higgins in attendance now I know you've done a, a number of functions of Michael President Michael D. Higgins normally in in Crow Park is this your first overseas function with him? Yes, yeah, I would know President Higgins very well and his wife Sabina, a lovely man and a wonderful president and we'd have a lot of uh, act, uh, interactions with the president uh, in Ireland but it's the first time that I would have now I did meet with him uh, in Windsor Castle uh, when he went on a state visit to Britain wow. so that was outside of Ireland and uh, yes, too I, far away <laughs> I was I was involved as GA president in that in that event but uh, it's the first uh, GAA match that we have welcomed the president uh, to outside of Ireland so it's very special that he's coming here to Perth not just for the games I think the opening of the famine memorial is significant uh, famine was a dark period in Irish history but I think especially what happened here in Western Australia all the young Irish girls were transported out of workhouses in Ireland to come out to the colony because they needed women and uh, the, just after the famine they, they I suppose uh, they just transported them against their will uh, two shiploads of girls uh, and I think it's a very sad story but it's wonderful that the president is going to unveil a monument to the monies here and of course it's special that he's going to be here on a GA pitch in Perth yeah. under the southern skies yeah, and, yeah. and that he's going to greet and meet with all the players in girls and boys and I think that's uh, significant for the players and what we're delighted with as well being two hurling men we count you as a hurling man as well Egon, that he's going to be here for the hurling final and not yeah. the men's football <laughs> well, final I, which I, is a massive <laughs> thing and he's going to be there for the ladies which well, is fantastic I'll have to get it in now at this stage though since you mentioned the hurling I am a Cavan man but uh, I hurl for Ireland which is not me <laughs> which is something maybe uh, when I was in college in Dublin uh, we had a shinty t exchange oh, in student, with students from Scotland and of course I have to be honest and truthful we had to have uh, half of our team had to be made up of good talented hurlers and the other half had to be more mediocre hurlers and you I won't, I won't tell you which <laughs> side <Talented. laughs> we, say, we say talented then, we say talented but at least I did get to don the Irish jersey and hurl for Ireland which either of us have done that have you no, done I that? Done no. that. No. you've won up up in this area gone it's, it's just a pity we're not going to meet Michael Lee that was one of, that was one of our kind of uh, want, uh, well, we wanted to things. get to the final because yeah. I believe he's going to toss the coin for the uh, well, you will get to all. you will get to meet him I mean, he will formally meet all of the players uh, in the final yes but I mean, he, he's a very pleasant uh, man and he will interact with people. You used to lecture my mother in UCG in the, in the 70s. Good. So she tells me. You know. well, you'll, have, you'll have to remind him when you get the chance yeah. to chat. But I, I think it gives a great boost to the GA. It shows also, I mean, and you did mention in your opening questions about the GA internationally, it, it does show the significance that the Irish government, Department of Foreign Affairs, and the presidency attach to the GAA because they, they acknowledge both the government and the president, they all acknowledge that internationally, it is the GAA that has the greatest reach now with our young Irish immigrants. All of the, uh, I, I'm meeting people everywhere, here and all around the world, who will all tell me that they weren't involved in the GAA back in Ireland at all. It was only when they came abroad yeah. that they get involved. Very true, for, yeah. for social, for recreational and for games purposes. And the, the government and the President of Ireland particularly, they, they acknowledge that. And this will give a good boost, I believe, to the standing of the GAA in, in, in Australia. 
Egon, if we, if we move things closer to home, we've had a big, massive special congress a, a, at home in the recent past, probably in the, in the last 10 days. And personally, myself, I thought, Jesus, what are the GA doing now? We've had a phenomenal hurling championship. We've had a great league, and they've gone and made some changes. But the more I reflect on it, I think 10 teams in Liam McCarthy and a really competitive second tier. And I know you've said to us offline earlier that there's six tiers, actually, yep. we have to consider all of that. But um, it's, it's a huge change, and it kind of shows maybe the progressive nature of the GA in the recent past. Well, people you say, you know, that the GA were stuck in the past and that we'd refuse to change. You know, they certainly can't say that to us now. We have we have rejigged the football championship. We have rejigged the hurling championship. Not not major changes, but yet changes that I believe will freshen it up. And uh, our hurling development committee, our management committee, our CCC, all unanimously supported the change, and that's something that people shouldn't lose sight of. And 62 percent of Congress supported change. It, it will freshen it up. You do need to do a number of things at the one time and what we were always doing over the last two and a half years we wanted to tighten the championship so that we would have a more defined championship season for our club players. Uh, we did that in a number of ways. We won't have as many replays. You mentioned a replay uh, <laughs> in my potential visit last year. We won't have replays in the future. And people again accuse us of always wanting money. Well, an association that wants money would, wouldn't be banning replays. Yeah. So we're doing away with the replays so that we can have a tighter time frame. We're going to have more games in the hurling championship, but it's going to start in May and finish in mid-August so it's going to conclude in a tighter time frame yeah. it's what the players want they are very keen because player it, it solves their difficulty players have far too the ratio of training to games is wrong they train far too much for and they play too little yeah. and medically and every other way that doesn't make sense so it'll solve that because now they'll be playing more and training less it tightens up the club fixture it leaves all of April and from mid-August on free for clubs that, that's a fantastic opportunity to go and play the games it gives more certainty because we'll know now when a fixture's on in the past our our fixture list had to show uh, provision for replays that'll be gone now out of the new fi structure and there's now uh, a clear opportunity in the hurling championship for promotion up through the ranks you can win if you're good enough and move up to the next level that is very very important i think a number of significant changes too the under 21 there has been criticism for years that the champions of ulster came in at a semi-final and would get beaten by 30 points 40 points We've done away with that. They'll, uh, Ulster will now take part as a county in Leinster. So if, you, if Antrim want to take part, or Derry or Armagh, they'll participate, along with Galway, in uh, a provincial tier in, in the Leinster Championship. So that if they're good enough, they'll make it. It means that we'll have better teams progressing. And right across the board, a number of changes like that that are taking place. So yeah. I think it has been progressive. I think it, and the last thing I would say on it is, it's for a three-year trial period. And the GA have always got to be honest. And I think they will be and have always been. And if in two years' time, some aspects needs to be rejigged, well, I'm sure that will happen. I don't believe we'll go back to the championship we had. Uh, I think that we'll move on, and people will see that we still have great Leinster and Munster finals. That's very important, that we'll have very exciting semi-finals, and that what should happen in any sport worldwide, that the best teams come to the top at the end. That's what you have to have, and I think it's an exciting change. You know, the one thing I suppose what was interesting for me was a lot of the traditional stronger hurling counties were against it I suppose you had Ned Quinn from Kilkenny saying look let's let's see what happens with the football next year maybe have a look at it then mm. we had Waterford were in opposition against I believe mm. and so was, so was Cork and they were quite outspoken on it do you think maybe that's because the stronger teams has always suited them in the last few years the particular format 
and maybe now it's some of the, it gives an opportunity not for the, I wouldn't call them weaker teams but the teams who haven't been as successful to have a better crack off it because for Kenny this year going down to play at Wexford down there wasn't an easy task because now they're going in playing two round robin games in Leinster all of a sudden the pressure's on well, I don't know. I couldn't comment for Cork on what their opposition was based on. But uh, I certainly know, because I visited a lot of these counties, uh, a lot of clubs and a, uh, in all of those counties were strongly supporting and the, the change that we made. And a very big significant factor that I think uh, people will only realise of as the next few years, we have wonderful stadia in the GAA, but most of them don't get used. We seldom see them filled. You mentioned, you know, you look at Cusick Park in Ennis, Limerick. They're going to have two matches every year where potentially they can fill their stadia. That's going to change the hurling landscape. Wexford, look at the excitement, the colour, the drama when we got a full crowd down to it. That's now guaranteed to happen because you're going to have two matches in your own home venue every year now in the Hurling Championship. So if you've got Kilkenny or Galway, Tipperary travelling to your county in Wexford or whatever, I think that's a, a game changer in a big way for hurling. And we have to be fair always in the GAA and it isn't fair that in a wonderful city like Galway with, with, uh, with, with a fantastic tradition that we haven't had hurling in that city for I think it was 10 years because they never played home matches in the Leinster Championship and that was very unfair and a lot of we, I think we probably lost a generation of young kids that did, in Galway in the city that didn't see or weren't exposed to it, now they'll have two matches in Salt Hill, in Pierce Stadium so I see positives all around in all of this I can understand some people fearing change because as you said there in your question we had a great hurling championship of course we had and we will again uh, and some people are reluctant to change but I think when you when you look at what I said earlier it's important to remember that our hurling development committee who are made up of deep thinking passionate hurling people that they thought this they thought this through for over two years our CCC which is packed with hurling interests and our management those three committees have been watching this, looking at this for a long time and unanimously supported the motion. I think that's quite significant and people should not lose sight of it. But I accept that some people will not like some of the changes, perhaps that they'll feel that the do or die knockout was a better system. But uh, I think when they see it in practice, I'm, I'm, that they, they, they'll all... I think it's interesting as well because I guess one of the things I had coming over here to Australia about three and a half years ago was I was a little bit fed up as a club player in the senior time because a club player just doesn't get a look in in some counties till October and this totally solves that problem for a club Well I player. believe it does I mean I'm, I'm the same as everyone else in the GA. First and foremost, club player and a club person. That's. I mean, I won't. When I'm finished being president of the GA, I've no intention going back seeking administrative office in my county or in my province. I've done that, and I will not be going back to it. But I'll certainly be going back to my club. I just will be involved with my club as I still am. And our two sons play in the particular, and the two daughters they play. But the fixture schedule sometimes is very frustrating, and uh, it's the nature of the way things work out. But now I can't see why if we're finished the hurling in mid-August finish football in the end of August that's a long time for clubs to have you know total free calendar plus a much wider window earlier in the year also for the end of March all of April so I think there's a much greater opportunity and at the moment if a county's involved and your county wins a match in June club players were getting no games anyway yeah. now people are saying the schedule's going to be too packed in June you were never playing if your county was winning because <laughs> matches were cancelled it's just the reality of the way it is so there is no difference in what's happening now and do you think we're going to get to a point like one of the benefits of playing in Australia is that we know our fixtures from 
start of January until here we are now here in October. Yeah. We know nearly every weekend we're going to be playing. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get to a point in Ireland where the club player will know his fixtures for the year? Now, obviously, depending yeah, well, on, on them progressing and yeah, getting forward. Yeah, well, you forward. don't have an inter-county schedule to put on top no, correct. of it here in Australia. Correct. So yeah. if we only had club fixtures yeah. in Ireland... Of course, you could do that. But do you think uh, we? Do you think we could ever get that? Sort I think of thing? we should always aim to that. I think yeah. that we should always aim to that, and I think that we do have it in some places. And I think with proper efficiencies and planning. For example, now in another month, we will be publishing the national fixtures schedule for next year, and people will have absolute certainty that, that uh, the whole way through the year of when games are on. Provinces then will be able to put their fixtures on that. I don't see why counties cannot then fix their fixture schedule in and around it. But I mentioned it earlier. One of the greatest reasons for destroying fixture schedules was replays. People yeah. didn't realise it. The knock-on effect yeah, of, a, of a draw was incredible on, on, on a number of counties. And, and once you lose it, it's like a domino effect. Once you lose a round, it, it, you, it's impossible to make up again. It has a knock-on effect. So there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful, that, but we should always aim to that. I believe that you might never reach utopia in life, but you should aim for it. Yeah. And I can't see why... But now, there's a responsibility on counties. There are some counties, and I'm certainly not going to name them for you. <laughs> no one's listened, Egon, go for it. But there are some counties run a really good fixtures programme. Ah, they're efficient, they're efficient, and they do it well. Other counties, I have to be honest, are not as good at it. I think every county needs to be like we have with players and with referees, then to up their game, and they now need... We have fixture analysts now, that's another... Uh, layer of administration we've introduced where people will be analysing and I think it's possible I think we're going to see big improvements will we ever get there I hope so and do you know, know it'd be interesting that if you viewed it we've a seven aside competition in Melbourne um, every year and it's probably as big as the state games but if a game finishes in a draw you go straight to penalty shootout yeah. and actually the, the crack and the, the camaraderie and <laughs> oh, yeah. you've got well, fullbacks coming up taking a penalty <laughs> and some of them missed the ball I won't mention any names well, but we, they probably know well, who they well, are yeah, well you know that Congress we did pass it now that in our provincial and club matches and if they finish in a draw we've added time if there's still a level after added time, we have more added time. And if there's still level, we finish with free Freezing free time, taking. Yeah. And, yeah. and then that's the way it is. Now, Egon, I'm after getting the signal there to wrap it up. You're, you're, I think it was <laughs> a clenched fist, I saw. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, Egon, we, we really appreciate you speaking with us. We're, me and John are going to be here for the rest of the day, and we'll be here tomorrow. We'll be with you at the ball. We'll have a few pints with you at the ball. But thanks so much I'll for your not time. Not many pints at the ball. No, I'll be, I'll be strictly on sparkling water Presidential at the ball. Duties. But, but I, I would say to you lads, I think it's wonderful what you do, and I think that it's great to see the modern technology being used so efficiently by our young GA players. Now, getting the message out there was always important, and in the old days, a lot of print d- media did that. But now, with because of technology and the way that fellas like yourselves use it, people can now listen to this in all parts of the world, even at the North Pole and the South Pole. I believe <laughs> you have listeners, and that's great to do that and you're, you're, you do it with such energy and positivity and a bit of fun so well done to what you do oh, with, with good day thanks again perfect have thanks a great day again.